kid just doesn't like to be read to. That was the case with John. He never wanted to be read to. It was always a struggle. And so um, he missed out on vocabulary, right? And if they're not really attending, if they're not really paying attention, or they're lost in their own little world, um, uh, they have developmental delay, your vocabulary is just not going to keep up with peers. So that's always my litmus test. Is a child struggling with learning differences? Are they developmentally delayed? Use a neurotypical peer. Use other kids as a comparison. If your child's not keeping up with the pack, with the peers, then it's time to, to consider interventions. Uh, you're not going to die. The kiddo's going to eventually keep making their own progress, but it's, it's time to intervene, okay? Um, we first got the words autism spectrum when John was not quite two, when we went to the ear, nose, and throat doc, and she said the, the words, <laughs> and I started to re do my research. I really never had um, considered it before. I never saw it coming. I remember those Tommy Hilfiger ads, right? Um, one out of 54 kids are born with autism, and you just never think it's going to be you. But... Um, Okay, so let's get back to the topic here. So a child's going to start losing ground with, with vocabulary. So the slide that's here that I'm showing to you that I use in workshops, the title says, Helping Them Build Their Language. And we're talking about processing skills. So let's start with the bottom where it says first. First, we have to help our kiddos build their words. Phonemes, graphemes. Phonem, phone, sound. It's the smallest piece of language that's one sound. Grapheme is the smallest piece of language that's one letter. So graph, write, right? So what you hear and what you write. I do a two-hour workshop, as I said before, on um, helping our understand when kids miss out on phonetic awareness and then how to go back meet them where they are. Um, you have to kind of look at phonemes and graphemes as either building blocks or Legos or Tinker toys, although they're still pieces to build. They have to have a good foundation. If the kids have missed um, the understanding of words because we got seduced by flashcards, like we did in kindergarten, right? So my kids in life skills and he's in gen ed and he's doing the kindergarten flashcards and he's memorizing them and I'm not worrying. And he does not get his B's and his D's mixed up, which of course is a terrible, terribly wrong stereotype for dyslexia. That's not what it is. So I wasn't worried and I did not become worried until I realized that my son was, I listened to him reading I'll never forget, he was sitting on the stairs at home, and he was just speaking jibber-jabber. He was faking it. And I realized, he doesn't know what he's saying, but he knows he needs to say something, so he's just making up. It wasn't even pre-verbal pre babble or anything. It was just, um, anyway, nonsense words. So um, what we had to do uh, was go back to the beginning, and we started with a, a number of curriculums. It was Nye House, it was um, uh, Family Literacy Network, Explicit Instruction, and I give a lot of examples and we'll, we'll build all of that 
in the future. But right now, just understanding phonemes and graphemes. As an example, M, the letter M, is a one grapheme, but a two-part phoneme. M. Another example, the letter T, one grapheme, one phoneme. T. It's just a one single sound, a one hit. T. So someone who's a speech-language pathologist will understand how the mouth is formed, how the, the, how the sounds are built. So it's as much physical as it is, um, well, it's architectural too, right? So there's brain connections involved, there's architecture of the mouth and the tongue, of the throat, the teeth. Um, uh, and uh, so sometimes questions will come up on, did your child suck their thumb? Um, uh, did they have a lot of um, ear infections so they couldn't hear? You know, what was the modeling they got for some words? So we were just way behind. And um, that's when I realized that he doesn't know what he's doing. So anyway, that started a long search of trying to figure out what was going wrong. And then I tried to keep a uh, record of all that to be able to share with other people. So um, that's where these workshops have come from. So first, with our children, once we realize there is a problem, they've missed it. The, the, the thundering herd of instruction, kindergarten and half of first grade has gone on, and my kid missed the boat. So now he's stuck trying to catch up. Anytime there's a pullout, he's going to miss instruction because the class is going to be moving on, and he's going to be stuck trying to make up for lost ground. Anytime there's a pullout therapy, right? Anytime he's stemming, anytime he's not paying attention, he's not attending, all right, so anyway, we got to go back and we got to build the phonemes. And then if we have dysgraphia and it's difficulty in writing, well, you see different parts of the brain uh, process spoken language compared to written language. And so in our case, we have both dyslexia, dysgraphia, and of course, math too, so dyscalculia. Anyway, we got triple, triple threat there. <laughs> um, so first we help our kids build the phonemes and graphemes and we have to go back meet them where they are we have to help them start over again then at the same time and as we continue on now you see the next box moving upward retaining the words working memory so helping our kids understand and retain the memory and this is the example that i use so think of working memory is like a kitchen table, a small little kitchen table, and you're giving instruction to the class, and it's, and your sentences are moving across the, approaching the table, moving across the table, and going past the table uh, like a train, right? So you might say one or two or three pieces of instruction. You might include one or two or three children, and depending on who starts paying attention to which part of the train passing over the table, and who remembers what, then they may only remember the last part of the train. So here, let me try to visualize this for you. So let's say that you tell, you're speaking to Susie, who has a fine executive functioning working memory. She's, she's just greased, right? So there's Susie and there's John, my kid, in your classroom or in your, in your room when you're talking to kids, your children. And so you would say, all right, Susie, I need you to pick up your clothes, hang them on the hook, and then sit back down when you're done. Oh, and John, would you please go along and help her? John just finally perked up and like, what? And all he heard was sit down and help her. Or maybe all he heard was help her. All he heard was just the last part of your sentence. So if you've ever worked with kids and all they remember is the last thing you said, it's because their working memory is quite short. So to... 
to work on that, we might have to, we, we do have to minimize our words. Fewest number of words. The simplest instruction. We might start with a this or that, right? Um, a two choice. And eventually I would work with my kid to have three choices. And then eventually I wouldn't make it a closed question like, John, do you want the red one or the blue one? I would then eventually say, oh, and back to that. If I said, John, do you want red or blue? And he says blue, then I would say, John, do you want blue or red? And then I would see if he said red, which means, okay, all he's remembering is the last thing that he heard. His working memory is that challenged. And he just doesn't want to look stupid and he wants me to get off his back. So he's just going to say whatever it, he thinks will shut me up. All right. Maybe you've had that happen in your life. All right. So then anyway, working on uh, the few f building choices then, right? And then as time goes by and he's catching on and we're, we're catching, he's building more working memory, then I will start to ask open-ended questions. And I'll say, okay, John, what color do you want? And then I'll see if he can answer me. So this is where we keep helping our kids by stretching them, right? But in the beginning, when you realize, oh, I've got to go back and meet them where they are because where they are is not where I want them to be. And we have to go back and rebuild the foundation. All right, so that's working on the uh, retaining the words for them, building their working memory, strengthening that, building the vocabulary, catching up on the words they lost. And then um, the third layer there, uh, just as a, again as a quick overview here, is interpreting the words. So when we ask our kids and we're working with them and, and doing multiple choice questions and building for the um, writing the essays, not only do we ask them to please remember the word, to build the words, then you got to remember them. Oh, great. I got to remember what you're telling me. And now after you can maybe hopefully remember it, now I want you to retell the story. I want you to tell me what, do a working memory dump. Tell me everything that you, that I just said to you, reinterpret it, tell it in your own words. And they just kind of look at us with a big old blank look in their eye, right? Well, that's because we've lost them somewhere. But the hierarchy of trying to help them build their language processing skills, and this is something that I've been working with my kid for two and a half years, specifically on explicit instruction, specifically, you know, leaving nothing to chance. It's agonizingly anal. <laughs> it's agonizingly slow and methodical, but you just can't jump ahead. And when you go back and you help them step by step by step rebuild or build the first time what you thought they got the first time, but they didn't, they can make progress. And so I see now so many examples of my kid catching up. And if my kid can do it, I know your kid can do it. All right. So anyway, in this overview of trying to help explain what language processing skills are, we're going to help them break down the words. We're going to help them build the words um, uh, with all the uh, tutoring. So John's now had, not counting the hours he and I spend together working, but just strictly the hours from the tutors. We're at about 120 instructional hours, which includes spelling and decoding, so um, syllables, and then um, uh, um, most reliable sounds, unfair words, um, uh, writing the sentence, retelling the story, um, reading. There's just so many pieces to it all, vocabulary, um, association. And so it works. It's not easy. But it's way better than them never learning to, to read and never learning to, to process language.
So all that's really important. And eventually they can build it. They may not keep up with peers, but they will not get stuck in the mud on the side. They will eventually be able to, like my goal for my son is if he can process life at a sixth grade reading level, that's basically what they say society operates at. So he'll be able to hold his own. And that's what I want him to be able to have a good adult life. So that's why we are busting our keister right now at these um, early intervention concept. Early intervention is today, right? Not waiting until next week or next month or hopefully some miracle is going to happen. It's nope. There's no miracle that's going to happen. It's going to be just what we work on right now, today, and then we build on tomorrow, and then we review and keep working on it. So there's always this balance of helping our kids with mastery and then new information, right? It's got to be a little bit too hard, and so it's not really so easy, but it can't be too hard, and then they get discouraged and give up. So there's a certain degree of stretching that we do have to help them with. So I'm very grateful that we've got a lot of, um, a number of professionals that I've been able to seek out and, and work with to help John. Um, again, if my kid can do it and make progress, I know your kid can too. So anyway, as we help them uh, build their phonemes and graphemes and then make more complicated words, string those words together and make sentences, help them eventually retain these sentences in their working memory, be able to visualize the vocabulary, the concepts, and then be able to manipulate the words and the ideas in their, in their brain and retell the story, build their vocabulary, and then help them process both written language and spoken language and take pride in their, uh, in their accomplishments. Because I've seen my kid not afraid to read in public anymore. I've seen him in Sunday school class. I've seen him at Christmas programs. I've seen him show off for little girls just because he can read. I, in, in fact, the last two weeks, he's been reading with true expression and his voice undulates, and he's proud of himself. So anyway, that's the main thing I wanted to cover tonight. I know that's a lot of information for you. I'm trying to give you some vocabulary, so if you go to your ARDS or you want to do research on your own, um, there's so much more uh, nuts and bolts and piece by piece by piece by piece, and we'll go over those. This is just from your helicopter view, all right? To understand when you hear someone say language processing, when you hear word decoding, when you hear word building, um, then uh, I guess, uh, so here's the movie, right? Aquila and the Bee. It's been a few years since I've seen it. I need to drag that out and make my kid watch it because that's exactly what this is. In, in studying all of these um, uh, therapies and reading interventions myself, I, I've learned that uh, the English language is uh, just a, a combination of four or five or six or seven other languages, which is why we have so many unfair words and why we have so many exceptions to grammar and why the English language is the, uh, the most complicated one, complicated language that there is. All right, so have hope. Have great hope. If your kid hates to read, uh, at least you got heads up on that. Um, there's much more to come on this topic. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. Um, I kind of start to absorb this language, the vocabulary. When you go, as I mentioned, started to, and I got distracted there. Um, as you work with your teachers and you build it into your ARDS and you build it into your parent presentations and you can use this language with, your, your, the, with the LEA, with the school system, with the teachers, they're going to have a whole new 
um, respect, appreciation for you. And you'll have a greater respect and appreciation for what they're trying to do. Um, and some of these uh, curriculums and interventions and reading programs give you analytics. So I picked out some that absolutely give me analytics and I copy those babies and I send them into this school and include them in the yard. And now you got some really good um, bargaining chips, right? Um, to keep the kids um, moving at school, to keep the, um, the, I don't mean pressure on, but yeah, to keep the pressure on. The school knows that if I'm, we're doing all these things in our off hours, then I, I'm not going to let them slack off and lose momentum with what he does during the school year, during the school hours. Okay, alrighty, we'll do more on this next time uh, and in the future. Um, so that's, there's a lot to it. It's, it's so amazing when kids pick it up the first time, neurotypicals, kids who just absorb it. Like that's my firstborn, but boy, my secondborn is a whole different story, but there are a lot of, uh, uh, wonderful pioneers that have built, um, information for us. The, uh, curriculums that are OG based, Orton Gillingham based are the ones that are going to be the most reliable, most have the greatest amount of credibility with the school system. Nye House, N-E-U-H-A-U-S is another highly respected curriculum. Um, the one that we're using the most is from, ex well, it's explicit instruction based on NIH, um, research. And uh, that's typically with a family literacy network. So Dr. Eldo Bergman, back in the day, started it for his son, Philip. He's absolutely a pioneer. And one of his franchises now is um, the uh, Texas Reading Institute out of the city where we live in the woodlands. And um, so something, those are the best, right? There's, uh, there's so much more. I just need to cut this off now. I'll keep you up all night. All right. Peace be with you. Thank you very much. See you soon.